Welcome to the Tooth and Coin Podcast, where we talk about your adventure of being a dental practice owner. Uh, in these episodes, we're going to be talking about problems that you will likely face as a practice owner, as well as give an idea about actionable solutions that you can take so that you can get past this problem in your practice. Some of these concepts are really big ones. Some of them are very specific, but we hope that these episodes help you along with your journey. Now, a very important piece for you to understand is that this is not paid financial advice. This is not paid tax or legal advice. Uh, We are not your financial advisors. We are not your CPAs. Uh, This is two CPAs talking about informational and educational content to help you along with your journey. It's a very important piece for you to understand. Another thing that you need to know is if you enjoy today's content, join us on the Facebook group. So we've got a Facebook group that is active with dentists that is going to have content talking about what we're talking about today to continue the discussion. Agree with us, don't agree with us, have a story to tell, have something to share, join us in the Facebook group. If you go to Facebook and you search for Tooth and Coin Podcast, click on it to join it and be able to join us there. Finally, if you need some more help, we're developing a list of resources that are going to be centering in around our topics of discussion to be able to help you a little bit more than what the content is doing. So if you'd like access to that whenever it becomes ready, all you have to do is text the word tooth and coin, T-O-O-T-H-A-N-D-C-O-I-N to 33444. Again, that's tooth and coin, all one word, no spaces to 33444. Reply with your email address and we'll email you instructions on how to get into the Facebook group, as well as add you to the list to be able to send you those resources when they're available. And if they're available, we'll go ahead and send them to you as well. So on to today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, ambitious Dennis, and welcome to episode number three of the Tooth and Coin podcast. Today, we are going to discuss the challenges that come along with being a business owner. Alongside me, as usual, is my trusty co-host, Mr. Jonathan Van Horn. Hey, hey, guys. So, Jonathan, I think what I think what we want to talk about today is uh, just just to get a chance for our listeners to understand what are some of the the challenges that come along with that. So, you know, I, I think first and foremost, maybe we start with dental school. So, what is it that a dentist? You know, I'm I'm relatively new to the profession. Uh, so what is it, what is it that dentists learn in school? Like when they're in dental school, what do they teach them? Yeah. So the, I mean, the biggest problem is, is the, is, is the easy one. And that's that they go to dental school to learn dentistry and to become a doctor and to, you know, ha- be able to, to help people with their, uh, their, their oral health. Um, they, they do not learn how to become a business owner, which the majority of dentists go on to become practice owners. And so like the, the number one challenge that people are facing when they're in, being a small business owner in the dental industry is that they got to become a business owner whenever they've never owned a business before or had any type of training in it. You know, it's funny that you say that. I was thinking about uh, when I was a kid and I went to the dentist, I was maybe 15, 16 years old, something like that. Uh, and I got to talking to my dentist came in and he said, you know, this, that, and the other. And he said, he said, have you decided if you're going to go to college or not? And I said, yes, I'm going to plan on go to college. And he said, he said, well, if you go to college, he said, you should major in business. And he, he said basically exactly what you just said. And I said, business, why should I major in business? He said, look, I'm a dentist now. And they taught me everything that I needed to know about dentistry to get started in, in practice, except for how to run a business. So no matter what you want to do, you're going to need to run, know how to run a business. And I was like, okay, duly noted. And it was one of the first people that kind of told me that I should, should major major in business, depending on wherever you go, he said, you're always going to need to know business. So, you know, w- what do you see Jonathan sure. as some of the, some of the different 
like elements that go along with that. I mean, to me, business, you know, at that age, I certainly business seemed easy to me. People come in, they get services, you pay them, you kind of go home and do your own thing. So, so, you know, as, as we think about maybe some of the challenges of quote the business or running the business, what are some things that kind of immediately come to mind for you? Well, the, you know, what's funny is that, you know, we, we went to school for in the business world being CPA is we, you know, we had to have business training uh, or school that was related to business, almost like parallel to business. Um, even having classes so far as in that we teach you, you know, teach you things like strategic management and things like that. But it's all book stuff, really. I mean, it, it's not it's not real world experience. Um, and, you know, the there's just so many problems with traditional education of what it actually even brings to the table when it comes to actually, you know, being a business person, so to speak. Um, so there's only so much that information or education can give you when it comes to understanding what happens when it comes to, to owning a business. So all the people that are listening now that are either uh, soon to be practice owners or even the people that are already practice owners that already know this is that you, know, you learn most of this when you first become the practice owner. The education can give you a little bit of background and give you a little bit of, a, of, a, of an understanding of what you're getting into, so to speak. But if you've if you've spent fifteen thousand hours learning how to become a dentist and zero hours learning how to become a business owner, you know, whereas you know us being CPAs, we spend you know tons of hours in business school. We have more information. We may not have the experience, but we definitely have more information whenever we go into that situation in the first place. So the problems are stacked up to de- on dentists pretty much from day one. That the, the biggest the biggest piece is they don't typically have the educational background now. I talk to dentists all the time. We even have a, a, at least one client of ours, Joseph, that, for Tooth & Coin, that was a, a CPA before he was a dentist. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it's not just, it's not like they found that the secret to success is, is that they had education. It's not necessarily yet. Um, it's a lot of being able to learn while doing as well. Um, and it's not just the learning while doing, it's also the ability to just to be able to see what you're doing and, and see if the things are going the way that they're supposed to be. And if you've not, if you don't go into it with that mindset, you can a lot of times get caught in traps of repeating things that have gone on in the past. So the first big barrier again is education, which thankfully there's tons of information that's out there nowadays. I mean, the people that are listening right now are receiving information about you know the business of dentistry, so to speak. Um, and so you're learning a little bit about this problem. If you highlight it, if you address it, then you might, you have a chance to overcome that challenge. So the education piece is the first one, is the first big part of it. You know, add into the fact that in dentistry, you also get tons and tons of debt for the education that gets you to be skilled enough to be a person to do dentistry. Wait, you know, wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me you got to go into debt to become a dentist? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. that's not something that the federal government just writes checks for that? You know, everybody is really big on uh, public health, but not, 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 we're not that big on it. <laughs> so, right. so, so much so that the taxpayer money goes towards uh, paying, paying all the student loan debt off for all those dentists out there. Yeah. There, there's horror stories of people getting out of dental school with, you know, a million dollars in debt. What? A um, million yeah. dollars for school? Yeah, just for school. Um, you know, oh Dave Ramsey, if you've ever listened to him talk to dentists on the phone, he always says, he, he's always, you know, just completely perplexed by the fact that that's a, that's a possibility. Um, so, Yikes. you know, so that, that is, that, that debt is really kind of probably the second biggest challenge is that you're going to have debt for school. You're going to have sure. debt because you're alive in 2021. Um, and you know, you're probably going to want to 
have a home if you're in certain areas of the country. Um, you may end up having a car. You may end up, you know, having, uh, you know, if you have children, you probably have, you know, school that you're, you know, you have childcare that you're paying for. Uh, there's so many things that just stack up against you in terms of like your cash flow going out the door on a personal level, not, nonetheless, the business level. Everything gets kind of stacked up against you in the very, very beginning. So that's before you get to the business side of things. Um, you know, we talked to, you know, the way dental school happens is there's tons of dentists that get out of school and they're already married and have two or three kids, you know, yeah. by the time they're working their first job, uh, just because of the way that the age range works. Um, sure. and so sometimes you even have the spouses, you know, school debt on there as well. A lot of the times we have, you know, dentists that are married to other dentists. Um, so, you know, that's before you get to the business side. Now, if you get to the business side, you know, your choices are typically to go work somewhere else as an associate, hone your chops for a little bit, get better at you know, producing and things like that, uh, or learn a bit more about the industry and the real world dental world. Um, or you can go and become a business owner at some point in time. Um, most people probably give it a year or two out of dental school before they you know, jump into practice ownership. Uh, I think that's generally good advice um, for the, the, the majority of people get out there, learn on somebody else's dime for a little while while you're getting some cash flow in the door, getting things set. Um, there are dangers around that because you might get a little too set and you might start getting a little bit, you know, you might start getting a little too comfy, not having to do some things. But at some point in time, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably made the decision or have made the decision in the past that you're going to be a practice owner. And so if that's the case, then you're going to have more debt. It's more business debt, which, uh, is, is, Wait, they don't give these practices away? They don't yeah. just like let you come in and just take over for free? Yeah, like I said, you know, we're big on we're big on uh, public health in this country, but we're not big enough to just to give people all the to, to help people, you know, pay for getting their uh, uh, dental practice up and running in, in the areas they want them to be ran in. Um, so, so do we don't is it yeah. is it even possible for them to like save up cash? Like, how much cash would I have to save up to not have to take out? debt for, for like buying a practice. Like if I just yeah. wanted to say, you know what, I'm going to work my tail off and I'm going to save up. How much cash would you think that I would need to save up to even start that process? So we've had people do it. Um, we've had people that, you know, they're like, we we're, I'm going to wait five or 10 years until after I get out of dental school to start my practice. Cause I want enough cash. I'm going to live frugally for five years, 10 years. Um, and I'm going to be debt free and I'm going to start this practice and it's going to be almost, you know, almost how it'll just be, I'll be all cash almost. Um, I, you know, if you're going the startup route, then I would say budget at least three hundred to five hundred thousand um, dollars. You know, your market may vary, um, your practice style and philosophy may vary. Um, a good friend, Jamie Amos, with uh, uh, Ideal Practices, uh, how to open a dental office.com. He does startups, and they do you know hundreds or uh, at least 100 a hundred a year. Um, and I, I've heard them speak on the topic and they're like, it just kind of depends on, do you want Cadillac brand things? Do you want the, uh, the Honda brand things, or do you want the, uh, or sorry, it's like Tesla, Cadillac and Honda, like wh which, which of these different <laughs> like you know, choices that. do you want to, do you want to have in your practice? Um, and it kind of depends on your style and your brand and your vision for your business and things like that. So, um, that. Three hundred to $500,000, it's a, it's a wide range. Now, if you're going to go buy the real estate that goes along with that, it depends on the real estate prices in your area. You know, in, you know, Lepanto, Arkansas, uh, a dental practice, you know, office, the building is going to cost you probably 150 grand. Whereas if you're in, you know, New York City, you're looking at, you know, 150 million or something like that. You know, it's oh my a big goodness. difference on the real estate. Yeah. So, um, so 
more and more debt comes up more and more. If you end up buying a dental practice, it very much depends on what type of practice you're buying. Um, I, my kind of sweet spot, I feel like most people get into in terms of the buying of the dental, of acquiring a dental practice, they're usually paying somewhere between 600 and 700,000. Well, that's a little bit too narrow of a range, probably 600 to $800,000 for a dental okay. practice. It's a one owner practice, um, that has a bunch of patients and they're not doing a whole lot of dentistry. Um, yeah. and that's, that's kind of like the ideal situation. So, you know, if you're, if you're going into business debt and then it depends on what all types of upgrades you need, what type of equipment they have and all those other types of things. So like on the safe side, I would say like, you know, minimum 300 grand, you know, at, to be, you know, upwards to anywhere to a million for, for the business side of the, the debt. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and that, those are numbers. Number. Yeah. That's so you numbers. add that all, you add that all into the personal debt stuff and you've got this big molehill you got to climb up in order to be able to start getting to break even. You know, it's one of these really unique industries where you start with a, a huge negative net worth. And wait, wait, we're talking about net worth. What, what does it even mean to have a negative net worth? What, yes. wait, what does that even mean? So, so when, you know, whenever, whatever your assets minus your liabilities are, is your net worth. Okay. So pretty much. And this is, I, I, I think it's fairly unique to the U S but Pretty much every college graduate starts with a negative net worth in this country. Meaning uh, if that, I add up like my car and my bank account, you know, and then I take out of that my student loan debt or credit card debt or whatever, there's more, I, I own less than I owe. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Precisely. If you own less than you owe, which is a great way of saying it, um, like, you know, let's say that you've got a, a $250,000 house and you've got $400,000 in student loan debt and $50,000 in credit card debt all of a sudden you're up to $750,000 in debt and you've got $5,000 in your bank account. You've got negative $745,000 net worth is what your net worth is. is. it? Would you say that it's common, Jonathan, whenever people are either thinking about going into practice ownership or that they are, they do start and go into practice ownership. Is it pretty typical to see a negative net worth like at that point in their yeah. career? Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's, I would say that's more common than not. Um, and you know, so that, that is something that's stacked up against you, but I want to make sure to make the point that people need to understand that debt has different types of, of meaning. Um, so, you know, if, if you're buying that dental practice that I was talking about, you know, 600, let's say it's, let's call it $750,000 that you paid for a dental practice, um, that had an ample patient base, plenty of production to go around. You're going to be able to turn that thing into something that's going to be able to generate a return of, 350 to $450,000 a year that you're going to be able to take home. Um, you know, yes, you're taking on debt, but you're taking on debt in order to be able to attack the debt better. Uh, you're, you're invest, it's an investment. Okay. Um, and it's an investment with an extraordinarily low interest rate based on the Fed, you know, the, the interest rates as of today's recording. Um, so, you know, that's not while debt, you know, ooh, debt bad, you know, is what a lot of people like to say nowadays. Um, there is such a thing as, leveraging other people's money to be able to make your debt go away faster, which is what I'm talking about whenever you buy a dental practice in order to be able to attack that, that stuff better on later. So, so that, that's an important distinction I want to make because I don't want to um, gloss over. I don't want people to be like thinking like, Oh, I'm going to have $1.5 million in, in debt. You know, when I start my business day one, you know, that's like an insurmountable number to get, get around. It's really not because if you think about it in terms of net worth, not only is that, so you buy that, you use that debt and you, you've acquired that practice, but as that debt is paying itself off, you're now building equity into that business. 
as well as receiving a cash flow from that business. And so you're getting got both it. of them. And yes, there is interest payments going out and things like that, but we've got plenty of clients that have paid off their, uh, their business debt within five years of being a practice owner. Uh, and then include and, and their, uh, student loan debt as well. Um, just because they got in and they, you know, they, they didn't really have a lifestyle change and they went on and, you know, just paid everything down. So that, so that, that's the big second one. So the first one's education, the second one's debt. Um, you know, and that, that's, it, it's impossible for us to not talk about debt as being a big challenge that people have to get over. And, you know, funnily enough to me, the solution of getting out of the debt is to take on more debt, which is, um, you know, maybe counterintuitive to some, but if you, <laughs> it doesn't but, seem like it should make sense. I know. Right. So like, if you, if you think it, it, it but from a math based perspective, you know, if your, um, if your inflow, you know, doubles, but your outflow grows by 2%, um, or 5%, um, you know, you're going to be able to, once that outflow is, once that uh, debt, you know, amount is gone, that 5% becomes, you know, goes away. So it becomes worth it because your inflows are, are, are yeah. going to be more valuable than your outflows at that point. Um, there are some people that I've spoken with that have ma- been making a lot of money as an associate. It's, it's fairly rare, um, pretty rare that I talked to somebody who like, had a really great gig as an associate, you know, and, and could make as much as a lot of dental practice owners make. Um, but, uh, they, those, those gigs do exist. It's just there, you gotta be, uh, you gotta be a, a really high producer and get a really, really good position with a really great practice in order to be able to have that be a, a reality for most. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so that, so those sure. are, those are two of the big challenges. The other challenges are, is just the, you know, once you, once you begin the experience. So let's start about, let's talk about that. You know, we skip past, you know, the, the, the decision to make the business, to become a practice owner. Now you'll say you are a practice owner. And now, you know, there, there's the problem of the fact that you've never ran a business before. Um, and you know, this happens to everyone. And I want to, I want to circle back to the, the original part of the conversation talking about how we you know had business training, you know, Joseph, how many people yeah. do we know that went through business school that never owned a business? I mean, a would you say it's, I, I, you know, and all, and all honestly, it's it's more than ninety percent of the people that we probably graduated with do not own a business. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that that that's a good number. Don't own a business, haven't owned a business, won't own a business. They'll always be signing the back of a paycheck instead of front of one. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that education piece isn't everything. I want to just hammer that home, point home one more time. But once you start that experience of it, of, of being the, the business owner. Um, I find that the challenge is that a lot of the times you tend to just do what has been done in the past, especially with the acquisitions. One of the biggest challenges I, I, I see people have is that they become a new practice owner and they just kind of just fall into what everybody was doing in the past. You know, they just kind of keep doing it. They don't really change. Well, that's easier, it. right? Yeah, that's exactly. Easy. Exactly. You know, even in the CPA world, a lot of the times people would just do what they did last year. That was, that's kind of like the rule is, is, is they call it Sally. Same as last year. <laughs> Sally. Yeah. yeah Sally. Exactly. But say, so, do, do it the same. Exactly. So in, in dentistry, you know, you'll, you'll get into a new place and, um, you know, they've, you know, they, they have this pegboard system, you know, they, they haven't gotten those computers yet. You know, they, they just, you know, everything's on paper. It works. So they don't want to break it. Um, and some people, some people, most people nowadays don't, but some people will fall into the trap of just being like, well, I don't want to rock the boat. So we're just going to keep doing it. How it was done in the past. That's a extreme example, but that is, you know, that, that goes down to the minutia of like, this is how we've done it in the past. And so people get stuck into these, these trends or these, this idea that 
the way it was done in the past is always going to be the best. Uh, and, you know, in business, especially in today's day and age, you've got to be willing to adapt. You've got to be willing to do things better. You've got to be willing to work on efficiency. You've got to be able to, to understand that a business is like a machine and it constantly has to be oiled. It constantly has to be tweaked. It constantly can, can be better. Now, there is an idea and there is a, there is a concept that you could argue that, you know, at some point it's not worth it to continue oiling. At some point you just let it run. But in general, most den- most dentists are going to probably lean on like the office manager that's been there forever to learn about how to do AR, you know, and you'll hear about it all throughout the industry and in newspaper reportings and everything like that, you know, office manager steals $300,000 and uh, embezzles from the office or whatever it is. And, you know, so there's dangers in that. And so you've got, you've got to be learning while doing. So th- it's a challenge, but it's something that I think that dentists can overcome. I know that most dentists can overcome because they've gone through dental school and they've gone through really hard curriculums. And so they've learned, they, they know how to lo- they know how to study and hopefully know how to learn. Um, the problem sure. is, is that that experience comes along with some pretty hard work. And in most businesses, if you're, you know, in a lot of small businesses, the owner does, the owner works too. Um, in dentistry, you know, if you're open 36 hours a week, you, you better hope you're doing dentistry for 36 hours a week. Not, you know, learning about how AR works or how the practice management works or handling, you know, the computers went down or talking to the IT company or sending an, an email to your CPA because they've asked you what a couple of transactions were that came through your bank account or, you know, listening to a CBS or something like that because there's a new stimulus bill that's coming out that you, you know, that may affect you or may affect your employees or, you know, talking to vendors or all the other things that come along with it. There's so much work to be done in the dental space and so little time to do the business stuff. You know, I, I, I admit it. I was one of those people that was like, man, being a dentist would be really cool. You get to, you don't have to work on Fridays. You know, they, they're only open four days a week. <laughs> um, and then I got into the industry and I was like, man, that's, that is the, the biggest misconception in, you know, maybe in the general public, like, you know, um, because unless and that is a danger. Don't get me wrong. That's a, that's a challenge. Some some dentists probably you know do it that way. They're so exhausted on that fifth day, they go home and rest. But you know, at least especially in the beginning stages, you've got to be able, you got to be willing to start learning about what's going on and adapting and changing and doing things better. Um, so that's a, that's that's another giant challenge is the experience of learning of learning while doing and having to work while you're doing it. Uh, because if you're not, if literally, if you're not working and doing the dentistry, you're not making any money. And so all those other challenges are going to rack up on you. Would you say, Jonathan, that it's pretty typical or not typical for a dentist to have either a half day or a whole day dedicated to CEO day? Like, is that something that's, that's pretty typical that you see out there? Um, or is that something that's kind of atypical? I feel like people are trending away from it. Um, so I feel like the pressures of the day or getting to, well, there's another half day of capacity I could add on there. You know, if I just did dentistry during that half day. Uh, and so, um, that does tend to happen on really busy practices. We're like, well, we don't have any more capacity during the day. So I don't really want to add an associate. I don't really want to add more chairs. So what if I just add hours? Um, and so that gets taken away. 
Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I would like to see more of that in a lot of, a lot of our clients. Um, I know a lot, a very high, no, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not prevalent. Like it, it is very common for practices to be open four days a week, uh, incredibly common, uh, and not the fifth. And the fifth is hopefully the CEO day. What does tend to happen is every couple of year period, eventually that CEO day starts becoming a every other week CEO day. And then it becomes an every month and then every other month. And then it's like, well, I'll look at this once a year type thing. Um, so, but yes, I do feel like it's trending away. Well, let me ask. No, I mean, I guess back to the CEO day. So, you know, if we're talking to a brand new practice owner and they say, you know, I think I'm going to have a CEO day. What are some things that you think would be like the best use of their time, you know, in a CEO day? And we don't have to get into specifics. We can certainly get into specifics in later episodes, you know, but as you have a day that you dedicate to, to being the CEO, whether that's a Monday or a Friday, or, you know, I have a couple of clients to do it like Wednesday afternoons, they carve out as like their CEO time. Like what, what's the, sure. what's the best use of their time? Would you say, uh, whenever, whenever they, they carve out the time to be a, the CEO day or CEO half day? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, if, if I were, uh, in the shoes of my clients, what I would do is I would have on my CEO day, I would have kind of like my little things pile, which is like, you know, you get something in from the, the Arkansas dental board, uh, and you need to respond to it or something like that. Like, you know, just something that is, you know, you got like a, a, a uh, you got to pay your license or due or something like that. You've got your AP, which is accounts payable, which just means your bills are there. You need to take a look at, you know, you need to, your office manager has already prepared all the checks for it. And if the checks are attached to the invoice, which is attached to the bill, whatever it is. Um, and you're, you know, you're looking at those real quick, signing them off and you just have your little pile of little things that you get done. Probably takes you 20 minutes to do all of them and it's done for the week. Um, don't okay. let those little things, I wouldn't let those little things pile up. On, I wouldn't let those little things be things I try to hit while I'm going through the week because it would just detract me, distract me from the rest of the business and the, the dentistry to be done. Um, that, that'd be the, the kind of the, the first thing to kind of just knock out and get some wins in. Um, the next thing I'd probably have any type of employee issues would be something I'd be looking at during that time frame. Um, so any issues in terms of if there was anything going on with a, an employee that I needed to address, uh, training, um, any type of education that I need to get or anything like that would be what I would be going for. Um, and then finally, uh, and probably the most, the most important thing would be, I'd be thinking about strategy in, in a bigger context concept. Okay. Um, you know, what is it that we're doing here, um, in terms of our overall vision as a practice? Um, what is it that we're trying to accomplish and how are we going about doing that? And what have our results been? Um, and then I'd be working on goals that our company could set that could be, you know, not that could be, uh, actionable and achievable, uh, and then tracking the progress of those. And that's what I would be doing on my CEO day. What about you in terms of, you know, working in, uh, a bigger medical company, what would be something that you'd be, that you saw your CP, CEO do that was effective or things that you did in the CFO yeah. role? Yeah. So, so, so one of the things that, that they always did, that I always wanted to do weekly was look at the numbers. So, you know, certainly that if we, if we weekly, if we have a, a meeting every Wednesday, that was when I got to visit with the CEO. Uh, one of those would be reviewing the monthly results, right? Like you're obviously not going to review the monthly results every week, uh, but one of those four meetings would be, uh, review and like, how did we do for the month, the prior month? And how does that stack up to the prior year? And then there would always be something else when it had to do with the numbers, either, uh, you know, a, a vendor contract that came through or an opportunity to purchase 
uh, a piece of equipment or, you know, opportunities for different types of discounts or different ways to do things. Like one of the things that the CEO always wanted to do was they always wanted to know where the numbers were. And we got to where we uh, created this dashboard that also helped them understand where the cash position was. And we did that on a weekly basis. If we take our cash in the bank minus our outstanding credit cards, how much cash do we have today versus last week versus the week before? You know, and then we got got to a point where we felt like that number needed to be whatever it is. Pick a number, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, whatever the size of the business is. Obviously, you know, if your account's payable weekly weekly run is $300,000, then you don't feel comfortable with $50,000 in cash in the bank. So each business is different, but you know, those are the things that our CEO was was looking at every every week and, and alongside the other stuff uh, that you were mentioning, but but, you know, I, I think one of the things is that you've got to have time as a CEO to sharpen the saw a little bit. Right. So uh, Stephen Covey in the seven mm-hmm. habits of highly effective people talks about, you know, spending time. Uh, you know, if you had to chop down a tree, he'd spend seven, seven hours. If you had eight hours to do it, he'd spend seven hours sharpening the saw and then one hour actually doing the work. So, you know, spending time to sharpen the saw for your practice. I think I think that's something that I've seen really, really good CEOs. And I mean, as you know, as you and I we're sitting here trying to run an accounting firm. Uh, here and you know it's very very easy as you know to get caught up in all of the day to day stuff and delivering client care. You know how much time do we actually spend getting a chance to take a high level view? You know and that's something you know that we've had to you know as a firm like you know me and you and the leadership team we had to get together and say we need to carve out some time to actually talk about all the stuff that's going on and really work on work on the business rather than just in the business. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And so we'll talk a little bit more about the whole strategy piece and what, what we think you guys should be listening to uh, or should be should be considering in terms of strategy from a from a, a business and financial perspective. We are not dentists, so we can't, you know, we're not going to be able to tell you, you know, here's how you should, you know, do your treatment notes so that you have really accurate notes for all of your patients because we don't know what that is. Uh, I just know, <laughs> we just know that they exist. I've heard other people talk about them and I know that that's a, that those are things that, that are out there. Um, but we'll talk about it on a level that makes sense from a numbers and, and business perspective. Joseph, do you, is there anything else that you can think of in terms of challenges that I may have missed? Again, the big, the big ones to me is just the edu- you know, lack of business education, which you know, I hope I've highlighted that it is, it's an issue, but it's not the biggest issue out there. The, 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 the giant amount of debt that comes up with that. And then the, 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 the fact that you have to learn while doing and working. Now, those yeah. are the three biggest challenges to me for people that have never owned a business before and are you know, going to be becoming a business owner in the digital field. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not including the challenge of like overcoming the mental barrier that you need to be a business owner. Uh, that's, I feel like that may be a different topic altogether, but. Um, yeah, sure. Well, if I wanted to add number four, I would say that, you know, oftentimes a, a, a dentist will walk into a new practice, not have ever led a team before, you know, yep. and that's, that certainly is a challenge that you're going to walk into an office and there are going to be five to 15 people that are all looking to you for leadership. Uh, and I, that, that's something that we'll spend some time on for sure inside of this podcast is kind of developing and honing your leadership skills and how to have those different, how to have those different conversations, how to lead your team. Well, what is it that motivates people? How do you make sure that you're supervising well and doing, doing well? Because at the end of the day, if people want to work for a good place, they want to do something that makes a difference. Uh, and all of that really boils down to your individual leadership skills as the CEO, as the head clinician, as the practice owner. So I would add number four and say, 
you know, that's one thing that is vitally important. And, the, and, and, and as you and I both know, the ones that we see the most successful practices are the ones that have a really good leader at the helm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's not just leading the employees, it's also leading the patients and your, you know, your community and everything else that goes along with that too. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so, and you know, one of the hard things for me in terms of leadership, uh, and I, and I've been open with this with my team is, you know, is that, um, so it, it, whenever, whenever you're thinking about being a practice owner and you're thinking about all of your employees and things like that, you're thinking of it in more in terms of that machine that I was talking about. Like it's, it's, you're thinking more in terms of like, okay, I, I pay them money and they do their part. That transaction is the, is it like, that's all it is, but there's so much more to it, um, than just paying a paycheck. Cause if you're just paying them a paycheck, then all you're going to get is someone who's there for a paycheck. And if all you're, if all they're there is for is a paycheck, then, you know, they're, their, their time there will likely be fleeting. Lots, lots of really good topics we can talk about in terms of that and employee engagement and, and leadership and everything like that, um, uh, that we'll, we'll get to in a, for a, a future episode. So, uh, yeah, so great talking about the different challenges that new, new business owners that have never owned a business before in the dental practice industry. Um, is there anything else you want to uh, end on, Joseph? No, that's great. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this with you. Lots of, lots of great nuggets inside of, uh, inside of that conversation for sure. Well, thanks so much, guys. We will see you on the next episode of the Tooth and Coin podcast, and I will see y'all later. That's it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Tooth and Coin podcast. Uh, If you are going to be a practice owner or a new practice owner and you're interested in CPA services, head on over to toothandcoin.com. We can check out more about our CPA services. Uh, we help out around 250 offices around the country. and would love to be able to have the discussion about how we could help your new practice. We do specialize in new practice owners. So people that have, uh, are, are about to be an owner of a practice they're acquiring, about to be an owner of a practice they are starting up, or has become an owner in the past five years. That is our specialty. Uh, we'd love to be able to talk to you about how we could help you in your services with your tax and accounting services. Uh, And if you enjoyed today's episode, again, go to the Facebook group, talk to us about what we've talked about, um, join in on the discussion, and let's create an environment where we can talk about some of these things so that we can all help each other get through these things together so that this adventure of business ownership is more fun, more productive, and better in the long term. Lastly, if you want access to those resources that that we are currently building, just text the word tooth and coin to 33444. That's tooth and coin, no spaces, T-O-O-T-H-A-N-D-C-O-I-N to 33444. Reply with your email address. We'll send you the instructions in the Facebook group. We'll send you the resources when they're available and we will see you next week.